My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. By the way, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, currently the youth pastor. Um, transitioned out of the weekend responsibilities, used to be the serve pastor. And I get the honor and privilege of preaching while Pastor James is in Rwanda right now. So you can be praying for him. All right. Matthew 14, verse 22, page 746, it says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when we saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. All right, let's pray. Lord, I just I know you're here and I know you're working in all of our lives. And I believe that some of us in here today uh, need to remind, be reminded why we've been called to follow you. Uh, you know, we come in, there's lots that go on in our lives during the week, Lord. There's lots of things that go on, things that take our attention, take our time. And I pray we could put those things aside today and listen what you have for us. I pray that, man, whatever that is, whatever we're wrestling with, God, that you would give us peace. And that you would call us where you're going to next. And uh, even though things are a little bit different this morning, God, I pray that we could see what you're doing beyond it all. And most importantly, I pray that you would give us the courage to get out of the boat like Peter did. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, uh, we believe in something around here. Uh, we understand something, I should say, that the first seven minutes in which someone comes to Sunrise Church are some of the most important seven minutes that we do. And seven minutes, there's a whole lot you can do in seven minutes, but seven minutes from the time someone hits the curb of our parking lot is the telltale sign of if they're going to return or not. They have immediately, from the moment they get in here all the way until they walk in, they have seven, they, in the first seven minutes, they'll make up their mind whether they're going to return to Sunrise Church. That's how it is for all churches. That's what research shows us. And so what we do is we believe in those first seven minutes, we have to put one of the best experiences together. That means before they even get to come in and hear Pastor James, who's our lead pastor, speak, 
before they ever get to come in and hear Pastor Aaron and the worship team worship, they've already made up their mind whether they're going to return. That's a good tell sign of what it is. And so we believe in putting our best foot forward in that first seven minutes, which is why today we did things a little bit different because we wanted to make it uncomfortable for you to show you what goes into making the weekend happen here. That it's not just a bunch of people who magically show up. They don't just come from nowhere. They actually give up their times. They give up their lives. They give up their talents to be here and make it happen. Because they believe in what we do and how we reach people. And it all starts with the parking team out there. It all starts with them. We know that you can, if you go to the mall and you look at the mall, we believe, I should say, that you can park yourself. You go to the mall, everyone's parked within the lines for the most part. Give or take a couple cars. But everyone can park themselves. We don't have a parking team because we don't think you don't know how to park your cars. We have a parking team because we believe it starts the moment you hit that curb. We believe that an outdoor greeter out there makes all the difference in the world. That if they can be goofy and they can be fun and they can just have a relaxed time and wave you in, that that just immediately starts letting down the first wall. Matter of fact, we have a vision in the parking team that says, you know, no matter what happens before you come to church, we pray that you would leave it right at that curb before you drive into the parking lot. That whatever's going on, whatever argument, whatever family issues, whatever marital concerns, whatever that is, that as soon as you hit that driveway, that threshold, that you would not be concerned about that anymore because you're at home. It starts in the parking lot. And then all of a sudden, when you get to the parking team, you will meet our connect team at the doors. And you may get 20 handshakes on the way in. And we know you don't need 20 handshakes, but we believe that each handshake lets another wall come down. And we believe we are so happy to see you here that you matter and that you're loved and that you're cared for. We want to show you the love of Christ. And that happens by shaking your hand, caring for you. And that's what the connect team does. We actually won't have communion today because the connect team would normally make communion. So we've kind of scaled back anything that most of our teams do today. And we actually have a new guest process that, we, that starts the moment you hit that curb. Because that guy out there at the curb is wearing a radio. And we have a sign out there. And I'm not saying you all follow it or have followed it when you first came to Sunrise. But it says, new here, let us know. Because the moment they know you're new, they're going to take you up front to one of the front row parking spots. And we're going to have a Connect team member meet you out there. And if you have kids, we're going to walk you all the way back to kids ministry and get to know you. We want to show you where things are at. We want to show you how this place works. If you don't have kids, we'll just give you a quick overview and we'll allow you to come in and come into service and we'll just kind of give you a quick show around. But we just want you to know that we know you're here and we know you matter, all right? That's what it's all about. We have a process and a system for that. We're praying and planning for you before you ever show up at this place. We have a safety team that sits in in service all the time. They have different marks that they're hanging around at. And they, we actually meet the third Tuesday every month to sit in the staff lounge and talk about safety protocol procedures that need to be in place in case something goes wrong. If a medical emergency happens, we want to be prepared. If the fire alarm goes off, we want to be prepared. If there's an active threat, we want to be prepared. That's what our safety team does all the time. And we have a ton of experience on that team. We're planning and preparing for you before you ever think about coming to Sunrise. Before anyone ever thought about coming to Sunrise. And then you go all the way to the cafe team and we already know what they do. Some of you are like, what? I didn't get that cup of coffee this morning, Taylor. I'm not sorry. <laughs> but, you know, they go and they make a Winco run on Saturday nights. They show up. They get it ready so we have pastries in the morning and everything else ready. They get here super early with the rest of the teams. We even have the kids team. 
kids' ministry team. We had to shut them down this weekend because we wanted to make it real. And I know it's uncomfortable having the kids in service, but it's all part of it. Because that's what they do. Because there's actually, these, a lot of them are, I mean, we have high schoolers back there. We have young adults. We have parents back there. We have grandparents back there. We have everyone. But we got people who literally go to work during the week, come home, pour into their kids, disciple their kids, or maybe they stay at home all day and pour into their kids and disciple their kids. And then they decide to come here and pour into your kids and disciple them and love on them and pour their life fully into these people, to your kids, so that they can be little disciples, so that they can grow up, so we can plant seeds because we believe the fruit is going to happen and we will see it. Not only that, we understand that having a Having the kid not in service allows the parent to be to have a chance to actually hear what God's trying to say to him instead of keep an eye on him. We understand that. We we know how big of a part of it is. So by providing kids ministry, we understand that we're helping grow all parts of the family, not just one. We're going after everyone. That's the whole body of Christ. We don't just want a specific type of person in here because God made everyone in his image. And so that's who we're going after. We're going after everyone. And then we get all the way to worship when you walk in the door. And worship is one of the most powerful experiences you can walk into because it pulls us into the presence of God is what we believe. We believe that it will allow your walls to come down as you come in here and prepare yourself for a message. Not only that, it's super warm and inviting to walk into worship. It is. It's like, man, it's good music here. It's good things going on. This is a a vibrant place. I want to be here. We got a landscaping team that shows up on Saturday mornings early to edge the lawns, mow them, make sure the leaves are out of the parking lot to make sure that this campus looks pretty, pretty good because we know it matters because someone's making up their mind in that first seven minutes. And we have a prayer team that's praying for every prayer request that's filled out. We have a prayer and response team that's, gonna, that's up here after service because in case God's doing something or you came in with your problems and you need help, you don't need someone to tell you what to do, but more just to pray for you and help you in that way. That's what they're here for. Everything matters. We have so much going on here into the weekend and we're so strategic and we're so intentional because we understand the problem is with it is that we get so comfortable that we need to be pushed out of our uncomfort. So reality is, is that we do everything to make the coffee hot, the seats comfortable, you're sitting in them, we put, you put the kids, you get free childcare, right? Everything's comfortable, everything. And, and culture says, do, you know, have security, have safety, have more, buy more, this is happiness, live in this, we'll do what's easy, do what's comfortable. And the reality is, is that the gospel says, come and die. The gospel says, come and lay down your life. If you want to go up, go down. But then culture says, have a safe, easy life. Do all these things and and make sure that nothing, if something does go wrong, you have a safety stash of cash. Right? But then Jesus says, give it all to me and I'll show up. So the problem is you have these two big gaps. And so the church does such a great job at making you feel comfortable the moment you walk in the door. We want to make you have the best experience possible. And I won't call it a bait and switch. I'll call it strategic and intentional because that's what Jesus did. Because there's this big gap between culture and the gospel. And what we've decided is that we want to bridge that gap by showing you the the pathway to discipleship. Which you've seen us and heard us say many times. And it comes in four words. And it's connect, grow, serve, lead. And that's how we bridge this gap. And we understand that the weekend is the connect environment. So the church lives in this tension that it has to go to where culture is at. That we have to come right here. 
where it's comfortable and what society says and what everyone says. And we want to make it the best experience possible because that's what culture's telling you. But the only reason we're doing that is because Jesus did that. Because Jesus went after people and showed them the love of God and made them feel like they were valued and loved because they were. And that's what the church wants to do on the, every time we connect with you. That's what every person here, a follower of Christ, wants to do. They want to connect with you. But all of a sudden, once you start connecting, you're going to start growing. You're going to hit the next step in the process. You might plug into a small group. You might keep coming to church on the weekends. You're growing in your relationship. You're learning some things. And then all of a sudden, you start getting to this point where you come and die, and you serve, and you give up your time, your talents, and your treasures, and invest them in the kingdom. That it's not about you anymore, but it's about eternity. And then all of a sudden, once you start serving, here's what we believe. When you start serving... You are our leader because people will start following you. When you start living your life for someone else, they all of a sudden start are being attracted to you. And so you are leading, my friend. And what we say is we want to live out that great commission that Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And so when you're leading, that means you're going to go and meet someone right where they're at. And you're going to love them and you're going to show them the power of Christ. And you're going to do this. And all of a sudden they're going to start growing and you're going to walk them through and you're going to make a disciple. And that that will outstretch and outlast anything else that you can do in this entire life. And it is more powerful and meaningful than anything that society or culture will say. So we believe that you got to be right here. That this is where you connect. That this is where it happens in comfortability. But we had to make you uncomfortable this morning. We had, to put, we had to allow the kids come into service. We had to allow it happen because we believe that comfortability and calling cannot coexist in the same place. Because as we get into scripture today, we're going to walk right into the scene of Jesus coming off, feeding 5,000 people, 5,000 men, and then families and children plus, with five loaves of bread and two fish. That's what we're coming off the scene in as we walk in today. That's what Jesus did with these 12 men. As he poured his life into them and brought them along the discipleship path, that's what we believe we need to do. So he says, all right, I've connected with you. I've poured my life into you. He's grown them a little bit. He's teaching them how to die to themselves. And all of a sudden, they get to this moment that he's got to show them something else. He's got to be intentional. He's got to show them the next step. And so all of a sudden, we walk into the story. He sends them out on the boat to the other side after feeding the 5,000. He goes up on a hill. He starts to pray. A storm hits them in the boat. They're out there. All of a sudden, Jesus sees the storm. He walks near them. They say, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. And if you, if it was 4 a.m. in the morning and you've been battling the storm all night, you would have thought it was a ghost too. But Peter says something that's very powerful in this because Jesus is like, don't, it's not a ghost. It's me. Don't be afraid. Take courage. And so Peter immediately responds and he reacts to it and he goes, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. He gets out of the boat and he walks towards Jesus. So the thing I have to ask you today is where do you need to get out of the boat in your life? Where do you have to get out of the boat in your life? Where do you have to leave comfort aside? Because in another translation, in this one it says, tell me. In another translation, the message just says, Peter says, call me, Jesus. Call me to come to you. As I said, we believe that comfortability and being called cannot exist in the same place. The comfortable will never be called and the called will never be comfortable because Jesus will call you out of your comfort. He doesn't want you to stay there. You get too relaxed. You get too easy. Everything's too nice. That's why we shut it all down this weekend. We want to call you this weekend. We want to call you out of your comfortability. We're telling you, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. 
getting too comfortable. You know, the coffee's just right here. It's just the right temperature. The seats are nice. It's great not having the kids with you. Things get comfortable. And so we want to remind you what it looks like without everyone to serve, but also with the idea that we are going to have a serve booth out there, and we're going to challenge you to get out of the boat today. We're going to challenge you to, to say, man, I'm going to get out of my seat today, and I'm going to go serve. Some of you already do it. Some of you don't. And so I'm boldly going to tell you to get out of the boat today. That this life is not about you. This life is about eternity. And the more you get comfortable is the more you set your roots in this being your home. And it's not your time. It's not your talents. It's not your treasure. It was all given from above. And so that's where it must go. Because you cannot take it with you as you stay. And so your challenge today is to get out of the boat. Get out of the chair. Come serve with us. Come find something. Come lay down your life. It may not be necessarily in the church. It may be in the community. It may be somewhere else. We believe in that. But I'm calling you. Get out of the boat. What boat do you need to get out of? And maybe it's not even in the serving capacity that you need to get out of the boat. Some of you are struggling with anxiety out there. Struggling with worry. Struggling with that control. I struggled with it for a long time. I still struggle with it some days. And sometimes the best cure for anxiety, the best get out of the boat is just getting out of bed and trusting that God's going to show up. Sometimes the best thing to do is to get off Facebook and to get offline and to stop drowning out the noise with looking at everyone else's life. And maybe the best thing to do is to get off the TV and stop watching the highlights and stop watching that, stop drowning out the sorrow, stop numbing out the pain with that. Or maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you need to get out of the boat in your marriage. You know, it says, <laughs> this is a good one. It says in the Bible, it says, Husbands, lay down your life for your bride. As Jesus laid down his life for the bride, the church. You know, Jesus went to the cross for the church. The cross. He died. He literally died for the church so that we could come into relationship with God. Are you willing to die for your bride? Are you willing to lay down your life? Your marriage is on the rocks. Things are going right. Are you laying down your life? Or is it still about you? Are you settling in your comfortability? Or are you going to lay down your life? And it goes the other way. It's like, women, are you submitting? Are you, are you, are you working together as a team in mutual submission to each other? Now, I'm not the one to give you marriage advice, but I will tell you what the Bible says. Or maybe it's in your finances. It's like we're barely afloat all the time. We're, we're kind of barely making it by. Or maybe you're fine. You're doing great. But I would say, are, are you getting out of the boat when God says, give me that first 10? Give me your first fruits. Are you trusting God with your finances? Are you getting in a budget? Are you trusting God with the outcome of your life? Are you getting out of the boat and saying, God, it's yours? Some of you are sitting in here and you never surrendered your life to Jesus ever in your life. You're like, I don't even know who this Jesus you speak of. Is there 12 men? Who are these 12 men? It's like, have you surrendered your life and got out of the boat and trusted God to show up? That you are no longer in control of your life. That you have to hand it to a Savior that will show up. Where do you need to get out of the boat? You have to get out of the boat in your life because following Jesus is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It'll stretch you, grow you, and take you to places you've never been before. But it is the greatest calling, and I believe we're all called at the end of the day. But some of us will remain comfortable, and some of us will remain uncomfortable. Because we continue to pursue Jesus. But you get the choice. 
The comfortable will never be called, and the called will never be comfortable. And as we enter the story a little bit further, we're seeing Peter's on the water. says, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. He began to sink. My question is, the wind and the waves, were they there before he hopped out of the boat? Yes, they were. And were they there after he got out of the boat? Yes, they were. So the same thing that would have made it scary to get out of the boat was still there when he got out of the boat. Now the problems that are in your life that are preventing you from getting out of the boat are probably still going to be there when you get out of the boat. I hate to preach a get out of the boat message when I'm going to be honest with you that the problems will probably still be there. I've seen a lot of people, they come in and they serve, right? And they sign up to serve with all these time commitments and issues. They got kids, they got family, they got everything going on. I know that. I know there's so much going on in this life. I know that everything takes up your time. They're working 70 hour weeks. I get it. There's so much going on. There's so many commitments in the schedule. But what happens is they they took that chance. They got out of the boat. They signed up to serve. They plugged in. They're walking on water. And then all of a sudden, as they're serving, the time schedule still remained the same. Everything kept taking up space and time. And so they slowly started just kind of falling away and they stopped showing up to serve one weekend and all of a sudden I didn't see them anymore and it's like they're not showing up to serve at all I'm like you knew your time commitment was the same before you showed up and before you got out of the boat and signed up to serve it was all there but the difference is in our life and in our problems is that when you get out of the boat the thing that allowed Peter to walk on water is the fact that his faith was in Jesus his focus was on Jesus but the problem is his focus got back to the problem and when your focus goes back to the problem, you, take your eye, you have to take your eyes off of the one who's called you on the water, Jesus, and put it on the problem, and he begins to sink. So where's your focus? Is it on the one who allows you to walk, or is it on the problem? Because some of you have gotten out of the boat. But your focus is not fixed on the place that called you onto the water, which was Jesus Christ. And as I look further at the story, I go, what would have made it a success then? Was it, was it a failure or was it a success? Was the, would a success have been if Peter gets out of the boat, he walks on the water, he goes over, he gives Jesus the bro hug, right? And then he walks back and they hop in the boat and everything, and the wind and the waves stop and it's all good. Is that the success? Like, did Peter fail? Is that what happened in the story? I'm like, really, what would have been the success in the story? What was the point of the story? I think the whole point is that sinking was part of the process. I think the sinking had to happen. That that's kind of how our faith walk works with Jesus. That we are imperfect and we are incapable of perfect love. That we cannot actually, like we may get out of the boat, we might have enough to get out of the boat, but we don't have enough to make it there. Because we are fickle human beings. We have nothing to us. And that the perfect creator is sitting on the other side calling us. And so as we get out of the boat, we are going to sink. It is part of the process. Failure leads you to success. And so when God calls you to do the impossible, it's probably going to take a dependency on him to get there. Because as Peter is sinking, he says, save me, Lord. Jesus has brought him to the point where he wants him. The fact that if Jesus doesn't reach down and grab him out of the water, he might not survive. So when we get out of the boat, it's not about being perfect, walking in perfect faith. It's about coming to this point where when we start to sink, we're calling out to Jesus and our dependency is in him showing up. 
That when the schedules fill up and the time fills up, we look to Jesus, that we need him, that we're desperately asking him to show up. That's what a life of faith is lived like. It's dependency in Christ. Seeking is a part of the process. Seeking is the pathway to success in your journey with Jesus. It's not on you. You do have to get out of the boat. You will begin to sink. Your focus will probably shift at moments in your life. The disciples did, and Jesus was right there in front of him. But will you come to a point where you say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. I can't do this alone. I wasn't meant to. Is your hope in Jesus or is your hope in the boat? Because as Peter, as Jesus pulls him out of the water, it says, Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. I think one of the things in life is, and in following Jesus, is that this idea that you got to do anything you can to get to Jesus. Anything that's in the way, you got to go through it. You got to go through it. I think it's funny how Jesus, or how Peter says, Call me to come to you. I was like, Couldn't he just waited for Jesus to walk the rest of the way? He was walking towards them, right? But Peter's like, Call me to come to you. I'll come. I'll come to you. And so Peter gets out and he'll go over the boat. He'll walk on water. He'll do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Because being with Jesus is the safest place to be. That what culture and society tell you is actually the most uncomfortable place to be. It's really not the safest place to be. It's not the place you want to be. Because that's where everything falls apart in a lot of ways. And that the safest place to be is actually sitting right here, reaching up to Jesus. Drowning in the water. It's the safest place to be because he has to show up and he never fails us. Who do you most want to be with? Do you want to be in the boat with 11 other men that didn't even get out of the boat? It actually says in another translation of it, it says they they worshipped him, right? It says the men in the boat, the disciples in the boat worshipped him. And so I'm wondering if it's talking about Peter, if it's just talking about the 11 men that didn't get out of the boat, which made me think back to when Pastor James made the statement two weeks ago. It's like, who is going to heaven because of you? Who's going to heaven because of you? It says they believed who Jesus was. That they did. And was it because of Peter getting out of the boat, taking this big step of faith that he would go towards Jesus? Is that a part of the process that someone had to step out and have tremendous faith for the other 11 to come to a spot where they believed in who Jesus was? Does, do you need to step out of the boat in an area of your life so that other people will come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You know, I think the biggest thing is when Jesus becomes real in your life, Jesus will become real in the people around you's life. But if Jesus isn't real in your life and you're not getting out of the boat, then let me tell you something. They're probably probably not getting out either. And you get to make that decision. You get to make that choice. How real is Jesus to you? Is he worth it? Is he worth getting out of the boat? Is he worth going over the edge and just running after him? I mean, is that who Jesus is to you? There's a, there's a verse in Scripture when 
Jesus talks probably the most about money and possessions out of anything else. And he, he uses this verse in scripture. He says, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Is the place you most want to be with Jesus Christ? Is that the place you desire? Are you living for eternity? Are you living for above this place? Do you most want to be with Jesus? Because Peter thought it was everything to be with Jesus as soon as Jesus was on the scene. He's like, it's not worth being in the boat anymore. My hope is not in the boat. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to be. In the presence of my Savior. And the one who will show up. And the one who conquers. Who's, going to go to, who's gone to the cross for my sins. Past, present, and future. That's brought me into a right relationship with God. That's who I want. Is that where you most want to be in this life? Because if it is, then everything you do in your life will reflect that. People will see where you put your money. They will see where you put your time. They will see where you put your talents. And they'll go, that person, Jesus is real too. But if it's not, if you're coming to church on Sunday, but life looks different on Monday, people know. Because we live in a society and culture that is very skeptical and very critical. And they will tear you apart. And they will know if it's real. Jesus has to be real because it's the only way that you're going to be able to take someone from connect, grow, serve, to lead and impact beyond yourself. I'm going to invite Pastor Aaron up here. We're going to worship still for a couple songs here towards the end. I don't want to take it. We're not taking it all away. But I do want to close in on this, this last verse for you here. I want to read it again. It says, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Now, we took away communion, but I said we're not going to take away offering. Because it is a form of surrendering to God. It is a form of serving God. You know, it says, where your treasures are, is where you will most want to be. Most want to be, you know... If you truly, if Jesus is real to you, then you understand that everything in this life, good and bad, everything that comes, everything that comes your way, everything that was designed, you enter in storms. I'm not saying God causes the bad things. I'm just saying everything comes from God. Which means the job in which you make the money comes from God. And the family that you have comes from God. And everything comes from God. And so as you sit here and you get to have your 100% of everything that he's given you, God says, just give me... Give me a tenth. Give me a tithe of that. Give me 10%. The first 10%. And I like talking about this because I believe it will set you free. I believe it will set the calling in your life for where God wants to take you. I could care less about the money, but more about your calling. Because I believe that as long as you hang on to that money and you, you just grip it onto it tight and say, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, I've earned it. You're saying, you're not real. You're not that real. You're good, but you can't take care of me. I don't think you can help me. I don't think you show up. But when you go like this and you live your life like this, God shows up on your behalf. 
And I said it last time when I've said this, and I say it again, is that you have to live life with an open hand because it's the only way in which you can receive the blessings at the same time. If you get hold like this, you can't receive the blessings from God. But if you live like this, you can receive everything from God. And he says, test me. And if you test him, he will show up. I promise you that. And it might not be the way you thought it would be, but it will be greater and probably better. He will take you to places you don't know that you wanted to go to. He will take you beyond. He'll take you to your calling. He'll set you free and you will change the world and make disciples that make disciples. But it starts right here. It starts in the small stuff. It doesn't go to the big stuff. We all want the big stuff. It starts right here, right now. It's right here. And you have the opportunity to get out of the boat. So what are you waiting for? This is a chance of a lifetime and you might miss it. It starts right here. And what I love about this overall is when you live with an open hand, it means you can sit there as Peter and reach up to Jesus and he can pull you out of the water with an open hand. He ain't fist bumping you with a closed hand. He's reaching up. There's only one way to live and it's surrender to Jesus Christ. And so my hope today and the reason we made you uncomfortable is so you could see what it takes for this church to reach the Washington County community and to the ends of the earth. And that you would understand that it's not about you, but it's about him and it's about the kingdom. So I'm challenging you to live like this, to get out of the boat and watch God show up. Because there's no greater way to live than knowing that he's going to make it on time. Not the way you wanted to, but on time. Always on time. We're going to worship. We're going to praise God. And I challenge you to get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, come before you and we just... trust you, God, that we can do it on our own, but it's never worth it, God, that the boat is not that safe. It feels safe. It looks safe. People tell it's safe. It's not safe, God. The only safe place to be is with you. And so I pray that each one in here today, that we would live surrendered and live on fire for you, that that's the greatest adventure that you could ever be on in this life. And it's hard and it's uncomfortable and it'll test you and it'll make you sink, but it'll... You'll show up. You always show up. And I pray that for the people in this room that have never experienced you showing up in the moment of most need, that you would, God. That they would get out of the boat and they would test you and you would say, I'm here. We love you. We know you're good. And we give it all to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.